just before I move on to, to chatting with Claudia, tell us why it's so important. I mean, you as a mother, how difficult is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really tough. But at the end of the day, I'm Claudia's mother. Um, I can't cure her, but I can do whatever I can to get nearer a cure, I suppose, as, as such. You know, she is my heart. She is my child. I'm, I'm trying to make a better world for her, a better life for her, and to get her to achieve all her goals in life. And Claudia, you're very courageous to be here because it's, it's nerve-wracking, you know, s sitting in front of all these people. So thank you very much. At 14 years old, it's very nerve-wracking. Tell us a little bit about your own life because you're a 14-year-old teenager. Did I see you at Taylor Swift the other day? I was. I went to Taylor on Saturday night. It's very good. So how challenging is it for you to get on with a normal teenage life? Well, it's definitely hard because at the age I am now, I'm 14, and no one at this age wants to go through anything like that. And now the world we live in, the stereotypical world that we live in, it's hard to be who you want to be when you have this. So you kind of just have to push through, I guess. But, you know, it is definitely hard, yeah. And I, I've seen um, bits of film of you um, doing ballet and all sorts of things. You managed to push through and do all sorts of activities. Um, what are the things that you love? I did do ballet for a while, but I unfortunately quit because it did get very hard, and that's unfortunate. But I love still doing dancing around the house. Um, but I like singing. I love doing art and makeup, kind of your average teenage life, I guess. Do you have advice for people? Like, what, what way do you like people to react to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. For me, I think staring is the worst part of the whole condition because everywhere you go, there's someone constantly looking at you. But there's definitely funny aspects of it. You know, when you look at the person that's staring at you and they're kind of like, I wasn't staring at you at all. <laughs> um, and you can see that, though. Yeah. Um, we were in Crow Park just going back there and there was a man in the lift and he was standing right on top of me. Um, and our friend said, can you just mind her there because she has sore skin. He's like, oh, she's fine, we're just trying to let a man in. And he wouldn't give up, like constantly answering back. And then in front of me he says, oh, is it burns? And I'm like, no, no, it's not burns. Um, like in front of me, there is definitely people that are just so ignorant and rude. And then there's just curious kids, you know, and I don't mind that asking questions. They don't know. But then there's just people constantly looking at you. And then you kind of have to say, right, just walk away, just walk away, don't say anything. But then you kind of look back at them like, mm, I'll get you next time. <laughs> um, but like, you have to come up with some things like saying, McDonald's is over there, you don't have to look at me, sorry. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there's just ignorant people out there and it's awful, you know, you don't want to be looked at 24-7. But it's good when I'm not in the wheelchair and my hands are covered, you know, and then you don't get as many looks, I guess. But for people who are getting stared, I kind of just ignore them, you know, get them out of your life, I guess. Absolutely, or come up with a witticism like you do, exactly. I like it. Yeah, I know I like I'm beautiful, it. that's why you're looking at <laughs> <laughs> You're dead right. And you were saying kids, you don't mind if kids ask you questions. Oh no, like, you know, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, they don't know yeah. any better, but... um. There's nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds that are just constantly staring at you, like, have a bit of sense, you know? Welcome back to the second series of InspireFest, the podcast. I'm Anno D. I'm the founder of InspireFest, which takes place in Dublin every summer over three days. 
In this series, you get to hear the conversations backstage between Claire O'Connell and Shauna Boyle and some of our speakers. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not come along and meet us in real life in Dublin? Every year we have attendees from about 40 countries. You simply book your tickets at inspirefest.com. It's our fifth birthday in 2019, so we wanted to do something nice for our podcast listeners. So we've created a discount code just for you. Go to inspirefest.com and enter the code INSPIREPOD19. It's time to crack on with this episode, but before we do, I just want to take a moment to thank the Digital Hub for being our anchor sponsor once again for this series of InspireFest, the podcast. The spark for InspireFest grew out of our home here at the Digital Hub four years ago, so it's a pretty fitting partnership. The Digital Hub is based in the Liberties in the heart of Dublin City. It's a collaborative space and it's home to lots of technology and digital media companies, but it's more than just an office. Why not visit thedigitalhub.com to find out more? Now, let's get on with this episode. Hello, I'm Claire O'Connell, and as Anne just mentioned, you have been hearing from me and from Sean O'Boyle during this series of the podcast. Sean and I spent a couple of days hanging out backstage at InspireFest 2018, and we had conversations with some of the speakers just after the talks. In this, the last episode of the series, Sean spoke with Claudia Collins and her mum, Liz Collins. Claudia and Liz joined us to talk about EB, a genetic condition that Claudia was born with, and the incredible work of Deborah Ireland, a national charity that provides support to patients and families living with EB. Here's Sean's conversation with Claudia and Liz. Well, I am Claudia Scanlon. I am 14 years old and I have a skin condition called EB, which is a skin condition that you are missing uh, one layer of your skin called collagen. You have three layers, it's called your dermis, your epidermis, and then your collagen knits them together. Unfortunately, kids with EB don't have that layer, so it causes friction and causes wounds and blisters to appear. Well, that's better than any description I've ever read about it. Thank you, that's really clear. 15 years of hearing it. And Liz, maybe you could introduce yourself as well. Um, I'm Liz, I'm Claudia's mum, and I'm also the parent ambassador for Deborah Ireland, which is the charity behind adults and children who have to suffer with EB on a daily basis. So Claudia, what did you speak about today at InspireFest? Kind of just the general knowledge of EB and then people staring and then kind of how I feel about it and how school's going, kind of everything that goes on my life really. And what are those kind of things that kids like yourself with EB have to deal with all the time? Well there's so many things that EB contains, there's staring and pain, constant itching and then you know being able not to do things that other kids can do which is obviously a hard thing for me because you want to be able to do things everyone else does and you don't want to be the odd one out. Um, and it's hard for me kind of, as the age I am, sometimes it's hard for me to realise things. Because um, if I ever do get married, I can't wear a ring because my hands will eventually fuse. Um, I can't run properly. Um, I can't sit on hard chairs because I can... Um, it can cause wounds and blisters. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things that EB contains, but staring and kind of that is the worst thing for me. And what would you like other people to know? Say people, those people who do stare, what would you like them to learn and what's the biggest message you'd like to get to them? Don't be so ignorant. <laughs> like, 
it's it's you know don't need to do it. Like there's no part of you that's like, oh, I have to do this. I have to stare. You don't. You could just ignore me and walk away. But no, people obviously don't do that. And it's okay for kids that are four or five, say, they don't understand, they're only small. But then there's 10-year-olds and you're like, no, it's not really nice to do that. Kind of just walk away, please. I've had to say many of things to people, but kind of just have to keep it cool and walk away. And do you do a lot of younger kids with EB learn a lot from you because you've sort of grown up and passed those different age points and have learned a lot about each point. Yeah, definitely, because the age I am, I guess I've gone through it all, so I can prepare other kids for it, I guess. Um, but it's good that there's, you know, there's Emma, another older woman with EB, and then there's me. So in Dublin, I think, or no, Emma lives in the country, but we're kind of two of the oldest that people would know. Um, so we can prepare little kids for that and especially this year there's been so many babies born with EB so you know it's good that my mom's also there to prepare the parents for what's about to come and then I'm there for the kids I guess me and Emma are. Well that's a nice segue to chat to your mom now so how do you prepare other parents? Oh god is there any way to prepare any parent for when they think they're going to have a healthy baby, as in, you know, EB can't be detected in the womb. So your baby comes out damaged, literally, like with denuded area and skin missing. So like I had Claudia at 39 weeks, I was in the prime of my health. Um, and, you know, life was good. Um, was anything ever going to prepare me for the next 14 years of watching your child suffer every single day? Um, it's quite devastating, really. Um, Actually, the birth sometimes can resemble a death more so than a birth. It's not a joyous occasion, um, and people genuinely don't know what to say, you know, and nobody can take it away. So I think for myself and my husband, it was either you just get up and you just get on with it. I don't, you have only two choices, and we chose to give Claudia the best quality of life that we could, and you know, treat her as normal as we possibly can let her reach every single milestone, every goal, mainstream school, you know, my sights in college for her and everything. Like, there's nothing or nobody's going to stand in this girl's way. You must be so proud of her. Oh, my God. Every day. Yeah, I am. Oh, don't start crying. <laughs> I'm the pits. <laughs> no, I am. I'm just, you know, I like, as I said there earlier on, my clothes can cover a multitude. Nobody sees the trauma that has happened to her body and all the side effects and all she's gone through over the last 14 years. You're a witness here watching this smiling, vivacious young 14 year old who goes through so much and is literally the bravest person that I have ever met or witnessed, you know. And great style. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Deborah Ireland and the work that they do. Um, so Deborah Ireland was initially set up in the 80s by families when there was absolutely no supports in Ireland whatsoever, keeping in mind how rare this genetic illness is. So like, um, as much as there's 300 cases in Ireland, that's the statistics, there's different strains of it. So of the particular strain that Claudia would have, there would only be about eight cases in Ireland. So... You know, it's really, really rare. So there was a time the gene was not isolated. That is now isolated. I fought the HSC for six years on my own to get some type of support because it had me on my knees. I was trying to be a mother, a wife, a nurse. You know, I'm not a qualified nurse. And just trying, the, the work-life balance, trying to make it all work. So 
you know, the last baby that was born in Ireland left the hospital with a 20 hour package. I left with nothing. Have we come on leaps and bounds? And that's all down to Deborah Ireland. So awareness is key. You know, as Claudia said, people staring, I feel it's gotten awful lot better as in they have a concept of, oh, that's that butterfly condition or the butterfly symbol or it's a genetic skin condition that she wasn't in a fire or that she doesn't have chicken pox or all the mad questions that were asked. You know, I feel it's becoming a thing of the past. They have a family support worker on the road that if a new family needs some type of emotional support, they're there. They also, you know, huge money goes into research, you know, for such a small country, we are doing tremendous, tremendous stuff like, um, so I've seen massive, massive changes and that's down to Deborah Ireland, keeping in mind they're a tiny, tiny charity in comparison to the big, big charities, but they've started to look business-like and they have employed over the years, like the CEO is phenomenal. Judith Gillespie, who is who came on the Arctic trek with us as well, like she's head of marketing, she did the trek. You know, they're just really like a family, and we're like we're all really really close. And I know I can pick up the phone anytime, day or night, if I have something that, you know, I need support with in, in any way. And you know that speaks volumes. Tell us about the Arctic trek. Oh God, it was amazing. Keeping in mind, I hate mountains and I hate snow, so it was one of them. I was kind of roped into what I was doing. I was there for the launch night of it to try and get 20 women and we got 17 women on the night which was fantastic including Anne and uh, then I was just kind of approached as I was coming down off the side of a mountain doing another trek in Kerry you need to come and I was like I'm not going you gotta be kidding me I said I have no interest I dealt with myself physically emotionally I was like I just I wouldn't be able to do it I just you know and then and I actually was 50 while we were out there. It was my 50th birthday and I wanted to be at home with my family. And I went home and I discussed it with my husband. He just said, you're crazy. Your family at the time was snowmen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said it was bucket list stuff, you know, that if I didn't go, I'd never get the opportunity to go again. So that was kind of decision made. Um, I was the only mother on the trek, which was absolutely mind-blowing, the comradeship of the women. The emotional roller coaster that everybody was on, because everybody was there for different reasons, and um, we all gelled together as a team. Yeah, it was one of the most inspirational things I've ever ever done, and I came back a humbler person as well because there was no running water, no proper toilets, no proper heat, no, you know, you were living out in the wilderness, you were fending for yourself as a team, and the trek was mighty hard, but you just tapped into it and you did it. For me, I had Claudia in my heart the whole way, like for the physical. And emotional stuff that it brought it's nothing in comparison to what she goes through on a daily basis so you just do it, you did it? it? i did it were you proud of your mom i was indeed because she hates the snow so it wasn't really she her hates the snow. i know it's awful she it's not so much the, the snow sand, it's the cold and the sand and the heat and the sun yeah. it wasn't your her hibernation kind of area no no, no and wasn't. was this to raise funds and awareness yeah, I suppose it was a combination and everything. So each lady had the ask was five and a half thousand. Um and they've gone over and beyond. I mean the last count was hundred and fifty thousand wow. that the women have raised. Yeah, Deborah Ireland will see fit to you know, it would be to keep a nurse on the road, to keep the family support worker on the road. Their plan I suppose again, their strategic plan is back to research again. I can honestly say, and I know I'm speaking in front of Claudia there probably will not be a cure in Claudia's lifetime, um, but they are moving in the right directions. 
I never ever thought I'd see children leaving hospital with care plans. It's happening. So for me, next step is a cure. I, I do believe in maybe the next 10, 20 years, it will be probably eradicated or there will be a treatment for it. Like they're looking at the stem cell. There's, there's great stuff going on around it. And uh, I do believe one day it will happen. And, and that we're getting somewhere as well. Yeah. Like it does show that we are getting places. We are getting places, yeah. absolutely. There's, it's hope, it's given us hope. You know. What's your big hope or ambition for all of the work that's happening around EB? What do you hope you'll see? Well, all the awareness that's happening now, there definitely is things happen, happening, like kids are going home with care packages and nurses that are on the road now. Um, it's definitely doing places. Um, but, you know, there still isn't a cure, and hopefully the amount of awareness that's happening now, hopefully that will come to that, hopefully one day, for other kids so they don't have to go through it. But it's it's good, yeah. And what are the things that make, say, school easier for you? Are there things that can happen that makes that an easier experience? Yeah, definitely, because I can't, I can't walk a very long um, distance and I can't go upstairs, so they're getting a lift in at the moment. Um, so that will allow me to go up to art <laughs> eventually. But um, yeah, you know, and making sure everything's on the ground floor, make sure the rooms are accessible and then my toilet's okay and just make sure it's all okay for me to kind of live around the school I guess. What year are you in now? I'm in second year but I just finished so I'm going into the third year. Well thank you so much both thank of you, you for being a part of this and thank for coming you. to Inspire Fest. Yeah it was brilliant. Hope to hear lots more you I want to give a shout out to my friends and Helen and Maria because we love you. They're my nurses and they do so much for us so we love you. Bye! <laughs> Thanks, Helen. <Robert. laughs> Thank you. This is my first time here at Inspire Fest, and I heard everyone saying it was different and exceptional, but I didn't really believe them because a lot of people say that about a lot of conferences. But I came here, and the, the speakers are amazing, and they touch on subjects that are very different, uh, like accessibility. LGBTQ and how to be more inclusive and diverse and it was really really amazing. I recommend it. Most conferences drive to have a diverse set of speakers. Inspire Fest truly does that. You've got people from all different communities on stage, 65% women which is amazing. Uh, so yeah I think that's the one thing that really inspires me. I love just the whole variety of different talks on various things so sometimes there's things just come up that you don't expect and the things maybe you weren't expecting to really like and they were really really interesting. Well I keep coming back as a third year it's a I love to hear stories and you know how people are making impact it's very inspiring. It's really 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 nice just to be in a place that's full of other passionate and enthusiastic people um, and I really find that I leave Inspire Fest with a lot more energy than I came with.